And welcome back to episode 81 of the Weekly Tech Wrap with me, Jay. And me, Carl. Well, we finally got the podcast started, Carl, after some slight technical issues there. So the editing <laughs> the editing will be... Uh... Please bear with us, Carla. <laughs> Your time is valued. <laughs> That's what they tell me. So yes, we're back for episode 81. Um, and what a packed show we have this week. Hopefully, hopefully we can squeeze it in uh, across the board. Um, and get all of those stories in. But we have got a mixed bag this week, haven't we, Carl? Uh, cool. We've got EU antitrust. We've got Intel. We've got NVIDIA. We've got Epic. Epic are back. <laughs> we've, we've got we've got cybersecurity. We've got quite a bit of cybersecurity to talk about as well. And the Tech Brand Rumor Mill makes its welcome return this week. But before we start all that, Carl, how are you doing? Post-COVID, we're all cool now? We're all good. Getting out and about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, all back to normal. Uh, the entire family as well. We're all good. Good too. How about your end? Because I know it took out mo- pretty much everyone in your family too. <laughs> we are doing well, thank you. Yes, uh, the the curse of COVID has left us, and hopefully, um, he says, <laughs> hopefully we're going to be all right for a bit. Um, for this month, at least. For this month, at least. Yeah. So. Uh, all good, all good. But it means that we can get back into uh, you know finding out what's up and what's not in the world of tech. Uh, so it's given me a chance to catch up on a few different things and stories. So let us get kicked off then before we run out of time uh, with our first story of the week, which comes from the European Union. So, Carl, take us away. It does indeed. So the EU have reached a, a kind of provisional agreement on their new Digital Markets Act. Well, I say new, it's been mulling around for a number of years now but it's, it's kind of an antitrust law meant to kind of rein in apple and google and meta and you know the other tech giants uh but the real standout one there actually for, is that they're they're decreeing that the, the largest messaging services you know such as whatsapp facebook messenger iMessage, uh will have to open up and be and uh, sorry and interoperate with smaller messaging platforms if they so request there are so many things to unpack there. Why <laughs> just the largest messaging services? Well, why not all messaging services? Do, do, do the large ones have to also uh, you know, be compatible with the other large ones or only with the small ones? It's really not very clear from the wording they put. Well, that's it, isn't it? And I think the, 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 the details, so I guess the small details have come out, haven't they, around what the dma yeah. looks like and as you say you know yeah. you know is it everybody is it these people is it that and they've kind of given a little bit of context around that, haven't they so what was in the, the numbers i think they said was it 45 million monthly active users or 10,000 right. annual active corporate users in europe so uh yeah so all the big boys because you know 45 million people is quite a lot isn't it um and i suppose an interesting yeah. one there to target 10,000 annual corporate users is an interesting one. So that, though, then forces into places like... Slack, Teams. Yes, exactly. Facebook Workplace as well. Um, yeah, easily. Those kind of stuff. But yeah, it's a it's a very clever one because you're right, because people like Slack could have fallen out there, I reckon, and Teams, couldn't they? Because they could have argued, well, we're not a, we're not a you know, consumer product. Yep, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I just... Does it have teeth? You know, will they do this? I don't know. Is it going to be like GDPR? If you don't comply, you get fined X percent of your company's annual turnover worldwide. I don't know, but I, I, the kind of I think they've gone around this the wrong way. I mean, I can. So apart from the old, are you big enough to do it? And why 
um, why only the large ones? Why not the small ones? Why not everyone? But also secure it in privacy. So you've now got to interoperate with these other platforms. What if one platform has worse security? So you're now downgrading the security potentially of your users if they message someone on the other platform. Uh, what about privacy policies? So Apple have obviously been a, a very pro-privacy. Meta, not so much. Google, again, not so much. So if I now send a message from my iMessage, which is secure and private, to WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or the, whatever Google's one's called. Google oh, yes. Messages. Uh, meet, isn't it? No, Meet, is it? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, because Hangouts. Am I now potentially it? having my data harvested at the other end? I just... It... it, <clears throat> it, it, it Oh, I don't know. I, to me, I've got, like you say, a bit like you, I've got so many um, um, thoughts on this. You know, I, I get, you know, why they want to do it. We know that we know last year Google were kind of making a lot of noise around Apple should go down RCS, didn't they? And uh, one of the senior execs was kind of saying so much, wasn't he, publicly without saying, you know, yep. Apple in direct words. <laughs> And but Apple's not interested. They don't want RCS. They don't care. They don't need RCS. They've got iMessage. As far no. as they're concerned, iMessage works across their whole ecosystem. You know, I'm sat here. I've got a Mac. I've got an i um, an iPad. I've got my iPhone. I can iMessage across all of those devices. And pretty yeah. much everybody I know in my immediate family has an iDevice, and we can do it. I don't need RCS. Um, and then no, but I think if you were going to impose something. Why not impose that all platforms support RCS? Then what's or, that? Sorry, all, all messaging services support RCS either primary or as a fallback if the other user isn't using the same platform. I think that's much more achievable than this interoperability. You know what? You possibly so. I mean, but then where does that lead to like WhatsApp, for example? Well, it's the same boat. If you're messaging from within your WhatsApp application and it's not to someone else using WhatsApp, it's to someone using Meta, then it falls back to RCS. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I don't know. The call me, call, okay, Does RCS look, have to rely on a carrier? That, well, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, SMS obviously yeah. does, and that's why hmm, no, it doesn't work. But does RCS technically have to rely on a carrier or can it be carrier agnostic? But then you get into murky areas like with Signal and Telegram and those kind of places, isn't it? And yeah, it's like, <laughs> without trying to sound, like, just kind of put, look at it from another point of view. Why can't we have, yeah. why can't I have a separate app that doesn't need to talk to everybody else? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, and I know it's kind of, kind of yeah. playing back, but I don't, you know, it goes back to the days, you know, back in the 90s, remember with uh, um, ICQ and uh, you had uh, yeah. AOL, Blackberry Messenger. Black Messenger, yeah. But I mean, AOL Instant Messenger. You had then you had MSN, didn't you? Um, and there yeah. were other platforms. And do you remember what was that app? I think it came out in the early two thousands. Was it Pigeon? Uh, you know that basically allowed you to. Ah, yes, Pigeon. Yeah, that you could use to do all the that different was... messaging platforms, didn't it? From one tool, you know. That was yeah. It brought more together under one interface. Which ironically, I have to say, was going. great. I've... Ironically, when it came out, I was like, oh, this is awesome. Um, you know, 20 years later, I'm like, I don't want that. I don't want to keep I want to keep it separate. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, look. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. One interface of all my messages in, I, I think, would still awesome, be a benefit. You know. Same again, trying to find the, the different apps on my phone. I just feel that, you know, from where the EU sits now, it's just like they have, they're, just, they're welding so much power here, aren't they? You know? Yeah. You know, but is that any different to the US government? Yeah, but I don't see the US government doing this at the moment. At the moment, 
you know? But it, yeah. it is interesting, though, because the DMA does go on to say, doesn't it, that it says that companies would not be allowed to combine personal data for targeted advertising without explicit yes. consent. Well, that, that's going to screw Meta then, isn't it? Uh, uh, that's Google gob. <laughs> but how do you afford... I mean, how are they going to force it, you know? And this comes back to that argument again, doesn't it, around governments forcing private organisations to change their products and services because they're not... They don't see how it works, you know. They don't. They don't understand it necessarily. Yeah. They don't understand the technical. It's just uh, that sounds like a great idea, <laughs> but yeah, with no technical to back it up. I mean, and it's also, you know, it's it's the it's the same. Well, it's all on the same kind of chain, isn't it? Around you know the whole antitrust provision, the app store arguments, isn't it? Uh, the yeah. bypassing of short storefronts, billing services, which you know we've talked about at length, and funnily enough, we'll talk about it a bit more later. Um, so, but. There aren't necessarily yet any kind of timelines on this, are there? I don't think. Unless uh, no, no, no. it's all still in Not the. I've uh, seen. I mean, the actual full press release isn't due out until f- this Friday. No. I so, and it hasn't been approved yet. Or, or, you know, our past parliament, it is still at a stage of that. But it's definitely got feathers ruffled across the board, hasn't it? And Apple themselves are not impressed well, uh, by this. The previous versions of this uh, this draft we've seen have actually also had uh, provisions uh, about how Apple and Google run their app stores. Yeah, which we yeah under those proposed rules, you know, Apple would have to allow users to install apps from other stores, uh, as well as uh, the old payment processor thing. So uh, yeah, we'll be interested to see if that's still included in uh, Friday's announcement. Yeah, it is. It is daft. <laughs> I just you know, I, on one, I think if you look at it from one angle, I I get it. Okay, um, I get what they're saying. Interoperability is fantastic, you know, the ability to, but how does it, you know, if you look at, if you look at the countries in in Europe, in typically speaking, SMS is a dying technology, isn't it really? Um, But it's universal. It is universal. Well, so universal if you have a phone, if you have a a carrier agreement, I should say. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it is, it is universal, but yeah, you're right. Typically, but if you if you were to poll most people, I would suspect the majority of people are not communicating by standard, you know, classic SMS technology, are they? Um, no. And I think if you look at other markets, the US is probably slightly different, I suspect, given the broad spectrum. But if you were to go to other developed nations, let's take, I don't know, Japan, I, I, I you know, yeah. I'm pretty confident their SMS is, you know, is not strong. Um, it's wrong option no. there. So, you know, it's like... It, how do, what's the rule here? Is it, is it because there's no control? Is it because they want another way into this? Because the one thing I don't see here is what's the government's angle here from data and security? Because are they going to really be happy with end-to-end encryption? No, no. Well, this clearly breaks end-to-end encryption, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but then you've got... Well, then then you're going to argue... Well, Apple are going to argue that iMessage is encrypted. Um, WhatsApp and Meta are going to argue, well, hang on a minute, our communications are encrypted end-to-end. I don't know what the average user number of Signal or Telegram is, but let's just, devil's advocate, say, yep, they they hit the threshold for 45 million. Well, they're definitely encrypted, aren't they? We know. Uh, So, yeah, because encryption is such a dirty word now, isn't it, from from governments? Um, Oh, massively. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very... But it's okay for them to use encryption for their communication and securing their... Yeah. Securing everything, just not for Joe Blogs. Yeah, I do though. Makes me funny that I just have to say when you look at the so some of the you know the posts that came out on was it nine to five and, and the Virgin that and things like that, 
around yeah. this. When you read through the comments, which you know you should never do that. I mean, don't ever go. I just still a rule for life. <laughs> there goes your evening. Well, not just that. Just you, I want to throw things at you know the screen. I mean, you've got such different views. I mean, I just I can't won't go through lots, but oh, yeah. you've got the EU view. You know, like people like people going never use FaceTime. Can't name any of my friends, family, will never use FaceTime. Basically, it's a non-starter of the EU. Same for iMessage. Yes, because it's integrated with SMS. We say, uh, I use iMessage every time with everybody I know. I use FaceTime. It's a non-starter if you're using an Android phone. Exactly. Yes. Just like, to me, Google Messenger is a non-starter. I don't use it. Surprise, it's because I don't use an Android phone. That's what I mean. It's brilliant. <laughs> but Apple sales numbers and Google sales numbers back that up. There are a lot of people in either camp. That's <laughs> what I mean. It's so funny. It's like, it's, you've got people, it's like, yeah, that's the whole point. But hey-ho. Hey, it seems like you're saying, oh, I don't shop at Tesco, so, you know, it shouldn't exist. No, no, no. I do all my shopping. Shop at Sainsbury's yeah. or Morrison's or whatever. What? <laughs> it's just a very flawed argument. It is a very flawed argument. But we should try and move away. But, of course, as we always say, this is the weekly <laughs> tech rant. And we wouldn't be, uh, if we didn't have a rant, the name of the show would be in balance. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we'll see what comes out on Friday. And we'll update next week's show with uh, any uh, information Definitely. on that. So then, moving on. Ah, yes. Intel, Intel, Intel. So after being put in their box slightly by uh, Apple's latest M1 Ultra chip, uh, which, of course, you know, if you believe the benchmarks in the Apple uh, was a one line slides is one of the fastest yeah. CPUs in the world, which it is in some respects, is it not in terms of what it can do? In yeah. Performance? yeah, definitely. Um, AMD, of course, so also have that claim, don't they? With uh, keep me honest here, was it the Ryzen 7? 5800 X3D is, I think that's the uh, the snappy yeah, type. That's the the shiny one with the uh, large level of what 3D cache or whatever they call it. They come an extra layer of cache to speed things up. So you know they were claiming only what a few weeks ago that they have the fastest gaming processor in the world. In the world. <laughs> But well, Intel. <laughs> Intel was having none of that, was it? <laughs> no, no. I was going to say so. Uh, Intel have um, dropped a bit of a hot stone, haven't they? <laughs> in this one. Hot, hot's one word for it, yes. <laughs> well, you know, it wouldn't be Intel if it wasn't hot. So, Carl, I'll, I'll let you do the honours with the naming because it's it is the name. You know, it's just it rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It's the it's the core i nine twelve nine hundred k s. The s is the important part because it already have a k. So the s is the speedy part, I think. And that that this also is the fastest gaming processor in the world. In the, again, in the world. <laughs> In the world, yeah, uh, and it's just just gaming processor. This week, not, not faster than anything else, just the gaming part. But now, apparently, this now boosts up to what five point five gigahertz. Uh, but it's important to note that's only on two cores at once, not the full sixteen cores. Uh, it's the same. It's the same in every other regard to the twelve hundred K. It's got it's got the eight. Is it the eight performance cores? The eight efficiency cores, which gives it their twenty four threads. Yeah, but. With great power comes, comes even greater power consumption. <laughs> no, I was say that, that base power has gone up. I'm sorry, it's, it's a poor dad joke. <laughs> I've been watching Spider Man recently. Um, yeah, that base power has gone up, gone up from an already mighty 125 watts to 150 watts at base. Now, if you're obviously doing that 5.5 gigahertz headline, you're going to be using 241 watts. Hot, hot, hot. Hot, hot, hot. And your wallet's going to have a hole in it too. Well, this is clocking in at seven hundred thirty-nine dollars retail. Given the um, the AMD wasn't it? So that's yeah. four four forty-nine. I think was the the ticket the ticket price, isn't it for the AMD? Yeah, it it is. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, look, fair play. So even if Intel have given you the fastest gaming processor in the world for now, I don't. Let's say we've not seen the reviews. 
I'm pretty sure Aimless is probably the same, or even if Intel is slightly faster, is it worth the other three hundred odd dollars and whatever it costs you on your power bill to run it? Look, I think the point is here: fastest gaming CPU this week is probably the best way to describe it, um, <laughs> because so you yeah. know something will come out that's quicker in the next you know six weeks, no doubt. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, yeah, this and obviously Intel here. This isn't something they've just thrown out the back of the factory, is it? You know, this is clearly part of their long-term no. strategy. No matter what the the critics will tell you, or you know, or, or the gaming press will tell you that, oh, you know, this is this is releasing, you know, in um, in response to Apple's Ultra chip. No, 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 no. It's just timing that this is dropped now. This is, you know, clearly for them, it's an S version of the the twelve nine hundred. They release the S versions quite often, and yeah. it's just timed. It's just been delivered to this stage. It probably has been, you know, probably held back to release with the Ultra. I wouldn't be surprised at that because of that timing. Yeah. But yeah, this isn't kind of you know being put together in the last six weeks to to do that. But realistically, yeah. you know, you're getting that 5.5 gig as you say on the two of the cores. You are chewing through a hell of a lot of uh, power. I, I did. I did, did just double check AMD's power output for reference. Yep. Have a guess. Uh, I'm going to say uh, two thirds of that. 105 watts. Well, there you go. Exactly. So, so, so Intel's Intel's base on the 12900K is 125. Yeah. So, and it's now was it 150 yeah. base, isn't it, for the KS? Uh, until you, yeah. until you get to the until you say you get that 550 gigahertz. Um, so yeah, I mean, you need a hell of a heatsink on this, or some nice water cooling. Oh yeah. But realistically, are you going to get anything for that? I mean, surely there is a performance DCS. increase. DCS, yeah, <laughs> single core. Pro- it only cares about megahertz DCS. I was so say, uh, yeah, the yeah. ideal processor for DCS. Yeah, single core performance. You know, awesome numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what you know, you're right. This is this this is the CPU for those people that have got money to burn. And want the best of the best, isn't it? At that time, um, it is. You know. So, talking of the best of the best <laughs> and money to burn, <laughs> our next article nicely lined up. Well done. Um, I like it. <laughs> yeah. So, so we did speak. Oh, was it back in January? We yeah, January. Yes, Nvidia yes. teased when I think when they released their thirty fifty, was it or thirty sixty? They teased about the RTX thirty ninety Ti. Uh, and you would have more information at the end of January. Well, January came, February came, March came, and, and nothing. Well, yesterday was it? Yep, yesterday they finally announced the 3090 Ti to the world. Do, 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 do. And for me, it was a bit of an underwhelming announcement. I mean, don't know where to start on this one. It's it's a minor bump, really, compared to the 3090, isn't it? I mean, you, 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 you've gone from... What an extra two hundred and fifty-six CUDA cores! You bumped up by a whole hundred, no, uh, one hundred and sixty megahertz on your uh, boost clocks. You've gone from one point seven to one point eight six, and the memory clocks have uh, been bumped to give you what twenty-one gigabits per second rather than nineteen point five in the in the thirty ninety. We've thrown in a PCI Express five power connector. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Um, You're right, it's margin. Yeah, margin that's about increases. it, isn't it? Yeah. So memory clock is, I say. Up from nineteen point five gigabits per second to twenty one, um, the clock yeah. is one point eight six from a one point seven. Yeah, and it, seven. Yeah, and you say the CUDA cores and the ROPS. Well, the ROPS are the same at one hundred and twelve, but ROPS the, haven't changed. Yeah, the CUDA cores is uh, basically looks to be just just shy of three hundred, an extra three hundred, isn't it? Yeah, two hundred fifty six more cores. 
see you counted i didn't um but yeah you know yeah yeah notably though interesting as you say the power so it has got the new power connector the um the new atx3 power supply specification connector which is designed to bring 600 watts over a new 16 pin connector uh which obviously is going to be for next generations and it also uses variable yep. power as well. Now, interestingly, though, this card comes with that new connector, but isn't using any of that new capability. So it's only operating at 450 watts as opposed to 600. I wasn't sure. because I, I wasn't sure the previous spec allowed up to 450. I thought it was capped around 350, and that's why they put the new power connector on. But um, <laughs> I haven't looked that deep into it, so I could potentially be wrong here. Well, you know, But yeah, 450 watt for a GPU, along with your 250. 50 odd watts <laughs> <Intel>. <laughs> yeah. so yeah <laughs> so we're at close to 700 watts just for the cpu and the gpu without adding anything else to your system i mean yeah the, again again this hmm. is uh the card for everybody who wants the best of the best is it at this stage in the game Ooh. um you know considering that the 40 series are likely to be released this year around the corner yeah. september october november sometime this year definitely you know i mean Look, I get this. If if you haven't upgraded yet, and you know you were on the previous Titan or something like that, this is probably where you want to be, isn't it? You know, if you're on a thirty ninety mm. or a thirty eighty, then I don't see any realistic. No you know, yeah, for what you're paying, you're paying through the nose. From you know, let's take let's take the thirty eighty. Let's just say you're on a base thirty eighty, which has had a you know was it a recommended retail price of around seven hundred dollars. You're looking at dropping yep. the best part of two grand on this, aren't you? Um, that's just for the founders edition. Yeah, this isn't so any they're, of the, they're traditionally yeah. one of the cheaper models, and uh, no frills. They're just they're the reference card, and third parties add their own cool PCB designs and coolers or water cooling or whatever, and they overclock them, don't they, and then bump the price up. So yeah, you're looking at least two thousand dollars, and then providing you can actually buy one. And they do look nice. Don't get me wrong. The founders edition always looks very tidy looking card. Oh, that's it? why I, went, I looked out for specifically for a founders edition because I thought it looked nice in the case. Yeah. So I mean, look. The, this is again. This is a. This is aimed at high end gamers. It's aimed at you know people, content creators, the reviewers, isn't it? There's a whole raft of specific consumers that they want to go down the road with this. Um, but yeah, I think if you're if you're in the boat and you're looking to upgrade and you can wait, then it's probably waiting then for the forty. The 48, well, 40 series, so 70, 80, 90s is yep. kind of that top end. Um, and, you know, again, we, you know, news is dripping out about these, isn't it? We talked again a few weeks ago, um, back, I think it was uh, two weeks ago, um, yeah, about the uh, the 40 series um, in terms of what the kind of spec was looking to be. Well, some more news again has dropped, hasn't it, around the, the Lovelace uh, spec. Uh, and talking of power then, you know, yeah. power does seem Ooh. to be the thing that yeah. everybody wants, isn't it, right now? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so don't buy the 3090, wait for the 4000 series, spend the extra money in the meantime on a new power supply because you're going to need it. Uh, but yeah, we had a, what, a couple of days ago, a, uh, kind of a PCB schematic leaked of the 4080 and 4090 uh, Founders Editions. Uh, so again, the PCB is looking fairly the same. Um, you've got, it looks like a layout for the same 12 or 24 gigabytes. So I think the 38, you get 12, don't you? And the 39, you get 24 gig of memory. It looks to be the same 384 bit bus. Um, and it's looking like the, the current GA102 uh, is the same as the, the, the new, um, new Lovelace uh, chip pin wise. So it should just be a straight slot in for manufacturers into the PCB. And it shouldn't be too much there. Uh, but yeah, it's where the power phases come in. 
we're upping them from 18 to 24 to allow up to, you know that up to that 600 watts that the PCI 5 spec allows so these are going to get toasty but for your toasty you know you're potentially looking as you say that quite a quite a lot of memory you know quite a lot of uh, you know um, performance but same memory as today's ones i suppose it's all going to rely on how fast that memory is clocked at well yes and how much better the sent the, the actual gpu core itself is but yeah i just this power this whole power consumption piece though is is worrying isn't it given given the cost yeah. of electricity at the moment and power generally speaking you know i, you know, I can't speak <laughs> for everywhere in the world but in in in, in european countries at least including the uk uh... <laughs> it's not cheap at the moment that, I mean, does it come with a share in you know your local energy provider? Um, <laughs> it might need to because you know that 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 long night of, of gaming might cost you a fair amount of money. Yeah, I, I get. We look the Alchemist cards still haven't dropped properly yet, have they? Despite you know numerous. No, movies. no, we still don't even see them out in laptops yet. So we don't. They're we, meant to be the first ones. So we don't yet know what the Alchemist power, real power consumption is either. I'm guessing it's nowhere near. No this but i'd be you know be interesting to see how how high it does take it though wouldn't you agree yeah completely completely i mean but yeah i don't think it's gonna be anywhere near this i reckon they'll probably top out at 2 250 yeah i mean 2022 is definitely looking to be the year of high-end tech isn't it from a gaming perspective whether you oh, yeah. whether you be able to get your hands on any of it is a completely different question but you know Ah, anyway, talking of gaming then, talking of gaming. Oh, Epic, how we've missed you. Um, we have. Epic, so Epic, Epic, Epic are not happy. Yes, I know that statement is no surprise to anybody who listens to the show. It'd be bigger <laughs> news if they were happy. Yes, Epic are definitely not happy. And Carl, why are they not happy? Because it, once again, it's all about billing, isn't it? <laughs> But uh, this is what I don't get. So so Google announced last week they're now testing uh, third-party payment processors, which, if you remember, this is what Epic all wants. So they're testing third-party in, in the Google App Store. Uh, the first developer on the, the, the test program or the pilot is Spotify. But so obviously Epic have put out a statement saying they're not happy. Uh, and even from the statement, I don't really get what they're not happy about. So we have, is it called? Corey writes that Epic's VP of Public Policy has kind of stated that Apple and Google continue to abuse their market power with policies that stifle innovation, inflate prices, and reduce consumer choice. One deal does not change the anti-competitive status quo. We will continue to fight for fair and open platforms for all developers and consumers and work with policymakers and regulators to hold these gatekeepers accountable for their anti-competitive conduct. Um, this isn't one deal. It's a pilot. You need to have people testing this first, well, yeah. don't you, before you release it to the public. Otherwise, it won't work, and you'll be moaning then. And that's this is a bit that you're right. You can't. It can't have it both ways here. I mean, I think they're annoyed that they're not the first person on the pilot. But did they ever really think they'd be the first person invited to the pilot? No, I think that's the problem. Is it? You know, they're part of that. They're part of that. Um, What's the coalition, is it? App Fairness Coalition, as you say, with Epic, uh, Spotify yes. members. Um, but you're right. Google probably, in some respects, don't want to get into another fight with Epic and probably thought, you know what, let's test this and then we'll bring Epic in when we're kind of happy that, you know, things are working. So we'll start with a, probably a safer bet. Yeah, so Spotify probably felt that they yeah. were a safer bet and uh, you go down that road. 
But all Epic have done again is just throw their toys out the pram. This, as you say, is a beta program. It isn't rolled out live. They're still testing. They're still developing it. So why are you getting upset about something that isn't actually yet in production? I, yeah. It, it just it just claims that, you know, they're never going to be happy. They're never going to get free payments. They're never going to get, you know, the ability to have exactly what they want. They don't own the platforms. It's not going to work. We've talked about this at length. We, we've seen it in the court yeah. documents. You know, the, the lawsuit... If you want it, build your own phones and your own platform and then put your own app store on there and you too can take all the money you want. Yeah. Or, or none of the money you want if you want to give it away for free. But I'm pretty sure you as a platform owner wouldn't do that. No. And it was made clear in that lawsuit that platform owners can charge. Whether it's Apple, whoever, you know, the, one of the outcomes there was it, it wasn't illegal for them to charge fees. Okay, the, the amount and the, right. the cost of it was different than, and the uh, monopolistic, um, you know, tactics was different. But there was no legal, yeah. uh, illegal action in charging or a fee for a service, was there, platform fees? No, not at all. So they're not going to get free. So they, they have to realise that. And surely... They must charge fees to, if you look at the Epic Game Store, so you're telling me every developer then who has a game on the Epic Store is up there for free and Epic take no money. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sure they allow, allow them to host the games and distribute the games from the store, but then use a third-party payment processor. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm guessing not, really. No, there's got to be something in it for Epic. They're not, Epic are mm. not a charity. They're, they're not obviously a, non, a not. not-for-profit. You know, They are there to make money. So, yeah, the fact that you know they don't like other companies making money up off them is slightly hypocritical. Okay, yeah, you know, without going back through all the the old you know trudging through all that, yeah. but yeah, ultimately, it is there. But who says you know who is that to say that Google were not planning, were not you know uh, going to invite Epic at all? They may have been going to do that, and perhaps now, given the fact that they throw their possibly not now, yeah, <laughs> not now. Yeah. It just seems that it's, it's it's like the Facebook action of like we'll complain for the sake of it, or we'll we'll throw some PR about because you know we've not been in. The... Don't want anyone to forget who we are. Yeah, we've not been in the news this week. You know, oh, just yeah, it it yeah. I just find it so frustrating, given that given where they are, and even as you know, Google were quicker than Apple to try and pacify these companies, weren't they? In you know, don't get me wrong, it's not yeah, perfect, definitely, but. They've tried to. Fact, you can you can install third party stores on the on Google's platform. Yeah, but I mean, in terms and of the, in terms of the developer fees, isn't it? And you know what, you know that kind of stuff. They were trying to be yep. more fair. It just seems to be funny that they're still not happy. But I just, yeah, just it, the mind boggles with these guys. Of like, what what is the end game here? What actually is their end game? Because it's not free payments. That is definitely not what they surely must want. Because it is somebody is smoking something over at Epic headquarters that they probably shouldn't be. Um, that, yeah, I, you know, clearly, um, that, 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 maybe I, they want <laughs> the Epic branding all over the default Android with the Epic Store in the Android platform by default. And I don't know. Yeah, I no idea. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Okay, right. Well, let's talk about cybersecurity then, because um, you know, particular pa- pa- passion of us both. And uh, the last week or so has. Um, well, I mean, certainly one for different cybersecurity stories, but let's start with this one uh-huh. from the US then. And if you know, if you have worked in IT for some years, you know, especially in desktop areas, the name Kaspersky is definitely one you're going to be familiar with, isn't it? From an antivirus standpoint. Um, yes, definitely. And I guess as well, if you didn't know any different, you'd uh, you'd know that um, 
you know, so Kaspersky is a Russian company. Uh, Eugene Kaspersky is the the owner of the founder of the organization. Yeah. And um, well, <laughs> um, he's not having a good day. No, he's not having a good day whatsoever, is he? Um, so I didn't realize, but they were so they were actually banned from working with federal companies back in 2017 under the Trump administration. Yes. Um, but this recent news has come out that actually they're now banned pretty much everywhere else, aren't they? <laughs> According to the FCC. Well, yeah. So, so yeah, the FCC have now added them to their list of entities that pose an unacceptable risk to the U.S. national security. Now, while this doesn't outright stop U.S. businesses buying Kaspersky products, it does stop them from using uh, federal subsidies provided through the FCC, such as their I think, Universal Service Fund, uh, you know, to fund that purchase. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, as a normal business, I, I think you're so okay to buy them if, if you want to, as long as it's your own money, not the government's money you're using. But, yeah, if you are a government entity or use government money, you're completely out of luck buying Kaspersky products now. Yeah, which, you know... I suppose you could look at this a bit like the whole Chinese thing, isn't it? It's like, is there a real threat yep. here? Is there a risk? Uh, you know, should should you be concerned? Well, I guess it depends. I don't know. It depends on where you get your information from, isn't it? Because back in 2017, uh, the reason what you know one of the one of the I guess decision making points for Donald Trump to to ban them from federal agencies was there was an alleged um, plot by Russian intelligence to use Kaspersky's AB software to steal information from um, US intelligence agencies. Now, again, it was alleged. Yeah, but that's an alleged plot. There's a lot uh, of alleged No, plots no, that's what I'm saying. That, multiple companies. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It was a very much an alleged plot yeah. that was, you know, it wasn't necessarily fully uh, fully fledged out. And then you've got to argue, well, they're made in Russia. They have a Russian owner. They're, you know, it's a Russian company. Is this just not paranoia red under the bed, isn't it? You know, south well, yeah. of the 50s. This is not like, all Russians are Putin. This is like the McCarthy doctrine back in the you know the 50s, isn't it? The red under the bed. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's what I think is going on here in a lot of cases. Is you're right. Your point is exactly sound. Not every Russian uh, is Putin. Not every Russian, you know, is 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 uh, you know backing the the, the terrible war and, and actions in in the Ukraine. But it no, does, not by a long shot. But it does feel that you know they're all they're they're all getting penalised because of that now. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen some messages in talking to people that you know from I was talking to customer the other day, partner at work, and they um they were saying that they had to get rid of one of their suppliers in Russia. You know, the person, you know, the company was totally against the war. You know, they then, but the, because of the sanctions, yeah. they weren't allowed to supply them goods. You know, and they were absolutely devastated. Yeah. Not because of commercial point, but because of relationship. Um, yeah, they built over tens of years or whatever it is. Yeah, it's absolutely, uh, it's absolutely staggering. Because you're right, it's not. This isn't, you know, all for one, one for all. So yeah, it's it, you can't help but wonder, is this a concern? Because actually, Kaspersky despite what you may personally may or personally may or may not think it's supposed to be quite a decent product you know it's been around for some years now yeah you know quite vocal in the industry i've used them in the past in previous uh, companies i've worked for yeah and administrate admitted them yeah you know so yeah i do feel that you know it's, you're right it could be could be a knee-jerk reaction and let's you know with these sanctions really on political grounds oh yeah. definitely and with these sanctions uh, whether or not they get relaxed in it you know years time as supposedly they will do um I don't know. I don't know. Um, but there are mixed things. I must say I, there are some things coming out, I think, in, in you know, around Kaspersky's view on the, on the war. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know whether I, I can't, I, I don't want to quote verbatim, but I think I, there were some conflicting reports to say that whether or not he was supporting it. But again, that's a personal choice. That ah. doesn't necessarily reflect the company, does it? You know? No. Um, but again, yeah, don't want to go down that road. But yeah, again, knee jerk reaction. No, no. Add that to your list of products you are not using in America, which is quite well, a lot. There's of more because it wasn't just Kaspersky, was it? No. We also had China Telecom and China Mobile also added to that same list. Yeah, which is, but China Telecom was already sanctioned before, though, weren't they? I'm sure they were. Yeah, I'm sure they were too. But this is just another US list that they're added to. Yeah, but it was the extra naughty list, maybe. It was the extra, but interestingly, though, I don't know if you saw as a counterpoint that um, the Biden administration is going to allow some Chinese imports. Um, so some. Yeah, I had heard they were kind of relaxing. That. Yeah, so maybe ZTE might be allowed back in. Yeah, so there are out of the five hundred and forty nine um, eligible exemptions, uh, three hundred and fifty two are going to be reinstated um, because uh, yeah. So what it was, yeah. So originally that was it. Trump hit China with three hundred and sixty billion dollars worth of um, I call let's call it you know import bans, you know, of goods, yep. and then they allowed some of those products to be avoided. Um, but then they but when he but when Trump came out of office, he didn't extend those exclusions. So basically, oh, okay. but so this then is a this is reinstating those uh, those particular exclusions uh, for certain goods. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's a wide range of companies there. I haven't got the full list here. I think I did have a note somewhere. Did I have a note that was anything particular? Ah, oh, there were certain things. Yeah, that was it. There were certain things. Um, electric motors, microscopes, uh, thermostats. Uh, things, things like breast pumps, ball bearings, forklifts. Okay. So it doesn't look like to be high tech, mainly speaking. But yeah, I did. I'm sure I saw something like you did about ZTE as well. Um, but I can't quote on that. I also saw something about Asus dropping the price of their graphics cards now that some tariffs have been yeah, lifted yeah. in the US around import. So by dropping their prices by 25%. So there must be some high tech in there, definitely, on that point. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, interesting. But yeah, we'll keep an eye on that because you know that might have that might have wide ranging impact, as you say, uh, across the, the the market then for other other technology. If that's if that's the case, yeah. So as we said, we're talking about cybersecurity. So coming closer to home here in the UK, then um, there has yeah. been an official confirmed data breach uh, with the Ministry of Defence, in yeah. particular. Uh, a third-party run, I must stress, third-party run uh, defense recruitment system, or otherwise known as DRS, which is used by uh, the MOD to, um, well, basically, if you want to apply to the army, isn't it? If you want to join the army, you, yeah, it is, you yeah. use that software. It handles all your personal information and, and the process involved in actually applying and, and joining the army. Yeah, so handles. But it, it's, so this is, um, this leak was confirmed uh, as of the 14th of March. That's when apparently it was, uh, oh, sorry, yeah. the army was informed of the, of the, of the, the indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the, what's this statement? There's a quote here, wasn't it? I said, they were informed that a group, I quote, a group of hackers was going to release army application data on the dark web, according to a source familiar with the matter. Um, and now it's been shut down and, uh, and no longer up and running, is it? So, yeah, this is yeah, a bit... but that information has been released though. It is for sale on the dark web. Yeah, between one hundred twenty-five and one hundred fifty candidate details. Let's say they're on for sale for one bitcoin of what that forty-two thousand dollars, somewhere around there. So yeah, they did get information and are trying to actively sell it. So 
yeah, this is quite concerning, though, isn't it? So, I guess you know, from a military standpoint, it's worrying because if you've got potential candidates into the army, and you've got their details out there, somebody can buy them. You can do identity theft. You could coerce them, I suppose, couldn't you? You know, you could. Yes, you could. Yeah, coerce them in you know potentially speaking, you know, the old classic. Going back to the red under the bed, but you know the older Soviet sleeper agents, you know, in the US, <laughs> yeah. which isn't, you know, it sounds like science, it sounds like fiction, but it certainly isn't. Um, you know, I guess there's that as well. But you know, the fact again, you know, anything to do with the military uh, and you know data releases is definitely concerning. But this DRS system though hasn't been particularly uh, successful. I don't think it's probably the right way to look at it, is it? Since it was introduced. No, no. Who runs it? It's a capital, yes, isn't it? Yeah, sorry, dear. Uh, and, and they're still investigating it. Uh, but the army did take the system offline as soon as they, you know, as a precaution, as soon as they uh, they heard about it. Uh, unfortunately, we don't know much about the methods or the extent of the hack, other than that data was released. Uh, surprise, surprise! Capita are refusing to comment on the situation at the moment. <laughs> wow, you do you do shock me with that statement. Um, <laughs> I know they're always so forthcoming and do such a great job. Yeah, Capita haven't got the best of reputations with delivering products on time. You know, this you know, a quick Google would uh, tell you certain that work. Like, yeah, you know, again, you know, I'm, it's purely you know purely for information that you see in the public record. Um, but yeah, so you know, DRS has been run. It was launched. Uh, well, it was meant to have launched back in. Uh, 2013 or the online recruitment was meant to do that but it never was delivered yeah and then in 2014 capta won the contract to deliver on this product yeah uh, which is now known as drs and then drs was finally launched a couple of years ago wasn't it and um <laughs> there was an interesting statistic <laughs> in 2020 the md said that 12 months after drs was switched on they had a 22 percent drop in candidates which, Ouch. when you break that down, apparently that equates to twenty five thousand potential uh, applicants. Wow! <laughs> Jesus, I mean, it's not a good system by the look of it. Uh, there are concerns around no. it, you know, around the data, around the concern. Um, so, you know, it's they they still don't apparently have the army don't have full ownership of it. Um, there is a according to no. according to sources again familiar with the the subject, um, they are building a new platform. Uh, to running until 2026 uh, but uh, yeah again like, like a lot of these public sector things they do drag on a bit doesn't it um, but interestingly though the RAF and the Royal Navy don't use it they use a different system that's run by Pega Systems uh, which was signed yeah. last year uh, which is apparently running on standard according to uh, uh, was it according to the agreement runs on a standard production cloud offering via AWS so probably using their you know their, their government data centers yeah um, but uh, I mean, given the state of play where we are at the moment, in you know, in current affairs, you know, with with the things happening in um, you know, in the world, you know, anything reducing data breaches with military, or, as I say, or anything government is concerning, isn't it? Because you just, of course, you know, you, especially if you look to the Ukraine, you know, and again, as we stressed before on the show, uh, you know, our thoughts are with those that are affected there, and what is you know, clearly a very highly illegal and immoral operation that's happening there as a or special operation according to the russians but the rest of us know it as a war um so interesting with around that then one of the things that uh, they you know the, the ukrainians have been doing um is leveraging satellite internet haven't they for a while and they have i think they're a big proponent of using it obviously due to where they are in the world and currently infrastructure there so yeah they use uh 
satellite internet a lot. And well, and also there was recent was that Elon Musk sent out a load of Starlink capability to them, didn't they? He did, yeah, to help them with that. And of course, that's helping to support their command and control systems. There, you know, there are some reports saying that they are using that to support the drone strikes that the Ukrainians are doing. So there's a lot, okay. and communicate with the outside world, of course, because you know, actually, yeah. you know, when you one of the things that. Um, one of the things that, you know, if you're fighting a war, one of the things you want to do is cut off uh, you know, communication, isn't it? Because, you know, you don't want people Yeah, talking. of course. But just before the war started, there was um, some reports coming out, wasn't there, about a, a, a well, a hack uh, on um, a satellite service uh, that was leveraging, well, KASAP, that was uh, providing satellite internet services uh, to Ukraine well, and other areas. Um, yeah, so, yeah. This this was detected. When was this detected in car? Because was this uh... so the early hours of February twenty fourth? Pretty much as the tanks rolled over the uh, border, or just before it. But yeah, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a KSAT. They're owned by a US company called Viasat, uh, and they provide you know, high speed internet via satellite, obviously uh, across uh, large parts of Europe. But yeah, so the, the early hours of the twenty fourth, uh, cyber attack against the, their ground infrastructure. So they weren't attacking the satellites in space, but against the the, I suppose the uplink, downlink, the, the ground infrastructure, they basically took it offline. And it seems even now, you know, over a month later, there are you know, still thousands of these satellite terminals offline. Apparently 2,000 wind turbines in Germany are still offline. And obviously large parts of Ukraine's defense system were running on those and they're offline as well. Hence the uh, you know Elon Musk uh, shipping um, Starlink terminals over to help rebuild that. Now, say it, at the time... It was too much of a coincidence uh, that Russia wasn't involved, uh, but you know, it was just suspected at that point. But just a few days ago, actually, an American government official told the Washington Post that the Russian military was indeed to blame, though that isn't, I want to stress, an official statement by the US government itself. It's one of these uh, leaks or someone you know within the government that says this, so take it with a grain of salt, but... Uh, it, it is a coincidence, isn't it? Um, well, too much I was just going to say, you know, some would say, yeah, exactly. And, you know, when you look at all of the mm. uh, the circumstantial evidence, you you know, the finger points in one direction, doesn't it? Mm. Given when it is, it does. Um, but you know, one of the things about it, this wasn't an attack on the satellite itself. This was an attack on the ground equipment, wasn't it? That communicates yes, with the satellite. It was. Um, and as you say, you know, this is, you know, this is, you know, quite a. Quite an interesting, and I didn't realize though, according to I through research here, that Ukraine is really open about what the government spends. Um, compared to yeah, yeah they have like a, a complete um visibility, don't they? Yeah, that everything that's spent is uh available online for people to check. Yeah, I was really shocked, you know, compared to some other Western governments, you know, who are a bit more tight lipped about this. Transparent, that was that the was word it, I was yeah. looking for. Transparent, so yeah. you know, apparently they used so during the, the 2012 elections, they used 12,000 satellite internet points to monitor um, voting. Wow. Um, you know, um, so, you know, like you say, it's not something that this is a new thing here. Satellite internet here. So taking it out was definitely a deliberate act. There's no denying that, you know, here. Of course. Um, and, you know, and none of the, let's like say, none of the, the infrastructure was attacked. Uh, it was the KSAT itself is up there still working, but obviously on the ground was the concern here. And you're right, this is, this is typical of, you know, I think any, I don't want to say, I don't want to say modern, but I think any um, you know military military operation, operation, you know whether it be Western powers, whether it be Russia, in the twenty first century is going to involve cyber disruption of of some form. 
you know uh yeah. in the old days it had been cut the telephone wires wouldn't it and things like that now you know disruption of cyber activities is going to be taking down communication command and control yeah. energy systems which we saw back in 2014 particularly with russia and the ukrainian power systems you know it's disruption in that and of course you know that's you want to do that you want to take people offline you want to make them go black isn't it and uh to do that yeah uh and you know so we are getting more and more dependent on the use of the internet whether it be through you know back channels of the internet whether it be through things like satellite communication you know an, an elon musk situation just demonstrates anymore the fact that it's no longer the pervert the preserve of the rich is it or governments to have satellite broadband uh, no. because you know you and i you know could go get um you know uh, what's it starlink today aren't we yeah, Starlink terminal, a uh, couple of hundred quid deposit, and then I don't know what is it, 50, 60 quid or a bit more a month. It's it's not obscenely expensive. Not realistically, given that uh, you know what's going on. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, this is you know, without concrete proof, and Russia, of course, are never going to stick their hand up and say it was me. Um, you know, no. I think we've got to take it as it is, and and the as you say, the the statement from that official, whether it was not, you know, whilst it wasn't a um you know, uh, official government document, given, given the circumstances, given what's happening. Yeah. You'd be, you'd be hard pressed to find an alternative uh, threat actor here. Wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you know, I'm surprised. I'm surprised we haven't had more. If I'm honest with you. I suppose there's probably lots going on. They're just smaller scale, you know, interrupts like here to there and we don't see the bigger picture. Um, but I imagine there is a lot more going on. There was, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of uh, talk around interception of mobile communication. So I saw quite a few different things on Twitter on intelligence oh, really? accounts of localized uh, mobile uh, intercept technology. Um, okay. To, yeah, to try and you know intercept that calls and stuff like that. And the Ukrainians had posted pictures. Again, some of them were verified, some of them weren't. But you know that given given the timings and and where they were in that year, you could probably make a, sh- a strong case that they were legit. Um, and there was yeah a lot of sim in, uh, sim technology you know similar to the Cellbrite stuff and the stuff that you know the other Israeli companies make. Ah uh, yeah. yeah. Um, what's the what's the US one? Is uh, was it the Stinger? Stingrays isn't it? Stingrays. Uh, Sting. Yeah. Uh, that that tech as well. Um, so yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely something that's happening. And of course, you wanna you wanna assume that uh, you wanna assume that they're going to be doing that. You know because getting information from the local populace and that communication, especially given the nature of the, some of the somewhat guerrilla warfare in places happening. Um, it's not going to be proper command and control, is it, in all, in all areas? So, yeah. No. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think you're right. There's probably more going on than what we're seeing. Uh, I suspect a lot of it has been um, suppressed in terms of, you know, the news. But, you know, we live in a world, don't we, where actually you can't hide from anything anymore, is it? You know, things do get out. Uh, everybody's got a phone. <laughs> yeah, they do eventually. Yeah, <laughs> they have indeed. So, talking of hacking, then. So, one of the stories we talked about last week um, was the lapsus. Um, and is that how we're calling it? Lapsus dollar. I can't know. We're doing it now. Uh, just call them lapsus. I think lapsus. Yeah. So, one of the things we talked about last week in calling this a lapsus hack. And if you've been living under a rock for the last few weeks, and you're thinking, "What is he on about?" Uh, their lapsus group have been uh, responsible or claimed responsibility for several hacks across South America, as well as Microsoft, Samsung, Nvidia, and of course Okta, um, which yeah. uh, set the world alight last week. And one of the things we also kind of mentioned was around the behaviour of this group, wasn't it? Of what you know they were. Yeah. They were really there for destructive purposes, weren't they? They were breaking in, stealing data, 
talking about selling it, but then they were releasing it anyway, weren't they? And kind of a lot of bragging yeah, was going on, wasn't it? About what they weren't done. very careful. Their opsec practices weren't very clean or very great, were they? They left the kind of a trail, but um, it seems that trail may have caught up with them. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. The City of London Police, apparently, you know, very close to home here. Uh, they announced they detained and then released uh, under, under investigation uh, seven people uh, to do with the Lapsus gang, uh, aged between 16 and 21. So a, a very young gang. <laughs> Again, not surprised are you in some respects you know because no no seeing the communication the output and the way they act it's yeah it's not surprising at all no and i think you know there was some there were some initial rumors you know floating around from some of the you know high-end um investigation teams um yes you know notably statements have come out from palo alto's code 42 unit and i think there's some other other research teams as well were saying that they were fully aware yeah. of the identities of the lapsus group, but were not in a position to release those. And definitely more go given that the fact that they were they were a minor um, in 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 you know yeah, in yeah. pretty much most uh, most jurisdictions. But interesting, yeah. But, but, go on, you can say. Go ahead. I was just saying. I was they, say, yeah, they got dot. especially considering the cruise leader. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and they got yeah. The, the cruise leader is meant to be a sixteen-year-old boy from Oxford who, uh, who yeah, who was then doxed after an apparent falling out of his business partners. Yeah, so if you dox, if you're not familiar what doxing is, doxing is the the term for releasing of personal information, isn't it? Um, you know, it finding is. out you know the name and address of that. Um, and actually, according to was it, I think Co Forty Two, there was a statement from them. Um, and uh, sorry, the Unit Twenty Two Twenty Two is it two. 221B, uh, Alison Nixon, uh, yes. who's the chief research officer, said that with said that they'd had his name since the middle of last year and they identified him before the docs. Um, but they said that they'd been the, the clues they'd left due to fa- uh, upset mistakes. And as you say, yeah, the behavior of this just said it. And I think given the fact of what they were doing, the break ins, you know, were doing, um, it was destructive, as we said, they were you know, trying to extort money. And apparently he had about $14 yeah. million in Bitcoin, didn't yeah. he? Um, Yes, he's done all right out of it at the age of sixteen. Yeah, but the Octa the Octa attack uh, was analysed quite heavily, and there was quite a lot of public um, information course, yeah. coming out. And one of the one of the analysts, I think, you know, there was some documentation leaked, and one of the analysts had shown that a lot of the stuff was done with off the shelf tools, weren't they? Um, yeah, yeah, they got credentials to a, a remote terminal. They logged in, and they used the terminal itself to research on Bing how to break into further bits and download the tools from things like github uh in open source tools and then use those so that yeah researching and learning as you go along yeah exactly and then you know none you know they it was standard processes you know how you would laterally move between systems you know it was almost textbook to a degree you know wasn't it in in some of the tool and but the tooling as you say gave away almost like a script kiddie style approach of you know using just picking up the software and running it as opposed to creating tools or, or you know, finding their way yeah. into methods. Um, but the, the one that caught my attention there was how easy it was to disable FireEye's endpoint oh, uh, process kill, protection yeah. software. They just killed the process. Yeah, Process Hacker yeah. 2, which is a tool I've used in the past. It's very much like Process Explorer. Yeah. Um, just gives you detailed information on the processes and what they're running and allows you to terminate. But apparently he could use that just to terminate the FireEye endpoint client. No protection on the device now. No, so I guess that's there's going to be some questions raised there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, fire. I have some some answers, won't they? I'm sure. Yeah, it's like okay, guys, we might have a chat about that. Um, but yeah, so he's been arrested. Um, you know, and 
it's ironic because people go on about you know these attacks are you know APTs or advanced persistent threats and you know in this could it be nation state given the size of it the breadth of the yeah. attacks no it was a teenager in his bedroom you know it comes back to that I, that trope isn't it that trope of a hacker isn't it you know and and uh, I, I mean, did, did you see the statement yes I'm just going to come to that I'll let you I'll let you do it because it's just oh. it's it's, it's <laughs> it was cringeworthy. Just oblivious. So uh, yeah, his father put out a statement saying yeah, he's never talked about any hacking, but he's very good at computers and spends a lot of time on the computer. I always thought he was playing games, and this is the best part. We're going to try to stop him from going on computers. Is this nineteen ninety or something? Computers, you know. But yeah, yeah. I re- apparently, I read that and I did kind of cringe. But I, amusingly, amusingly, it reminds me of reading about Marcus Hutchins. You know, um, malware tech. Um, oh, definitely, yeah. And when you read about um, the articles about him, and there's one about it, with his story that he, you know, he he, he talks about. It, he talks about his parents in it, and his parents yeah, said the same. Was it Wired? Yeah, yeah very good article. His, pa- did his him, parents said the same thing. You know, he he, <laughs> he spent a lot of time on his computer. <laughs> You're like, yes, <laughs> no surprise there. You know, um, <laughs> computer hackers usually do. But you know, clearly the guy, the kid's smart. Yeah, there's no denying it, you know. Clearly, you know, there's clearly some talent there. Hopefully, after the criminal situation is resolved, perhaps you know he might be able to make a, a career out of this. And you know, I'm sure there'll be people looking to hire him. Um, you know, given yeah, you know for his Bing skills, yeah, you know, well, half the job is knowing how to search effectively. But I wouldn't. Yeah, but he managed to find his information on Bing. Well, I was just going to say, right? That I'm, that was the only bit. Wow. That was the only bit that I was concerned about. You said it should be Google Foo. Bing Foo. It doesn't quite have the same ring to it. And <laughs> no. And you know, you know, and they say kudos to the kid. You know, Christ, using Bing. I mean, well done. You must be the only person that uses Bing. But. Uh, but yeah, Microsoft thanks you. <laughs> yeah, you know, but yeah, I say that's what I'm saying. I think you know. Actually, you know, maybe maybe there's talent here that could be turned around, but time will tell. And you know, not always the case. See, yeah. yeah, not always the case. Right then, let's well, t- towards the end of the well, show. Well, one point that just came in literally oh, before I on. went on air, and I couldn't make a note. It popped up on my newsfeed. The Lapsus Gang is still going. Well, it's... they have claimed uh, and released seventy gigabyte of data this morning uh, of an IT firm called Globant. Oh. So there are more of them out there, or these seven are really stupid and just carried on, even though they're under a police investigation. I'm I'm presuming it's there's more out there. Yeah, but is it like anonymous? Isn't it perhaps like you know one you you chop off one head and the rest carry on? You know under the same moniker because um, there was the same with some of the Quite possibly, the, yeah. the earliest anonymous stuff, wasn't it? Was uh, when they took out some of the ringleaders. There was another group kind of yeah. stole the name, didn't they? And kind of were like you know, yeah, it could well be, could well be. Ah, interesting. Well, maybe we'll see more about that in time for next week's show then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so before we get to the Tech Room email then to finish up for the the day, a uh, little bit of news coming out just for a turn is that HP have acquired Poly. Uh, if you're not sure who Poly are, uh, if I said the words Plantronics, you might be like, ah, yes, they make headsets. Telephone headsets. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Well, Poly, Plantronics and Poly merged a couple of years ago, didn't they? And um, they and now HP is buying them for an all cash deal of around three billion, three point three billion, um, which is interesting. So HP, oh, H- pretty penny. Yeah, so HP, I guess, are trying to re- reinvent themselves, aren't they? In some respects, um, and this fits in with the whole yeah. modern work, hybrid work, doesn't it? Approach and giving them, 
giving them bolstering to what that market space. Yeah, I reckon. I, I guess yes. Yeah, the only I, I suppose so. You know, we'll show you all your servers, workstations, laptops. Uh, we'll also see the headsets and the video conferencing kit as well. We'll do the lot. Yeah, but I, you know, interesting. I do like some of those headsets. You know, the old uh, Voyager ones, and I've got you know the old uh, Plantronics. Uh, um, a couple of their Bluetooth or USB-C ones would be quite good. So, yeah, they're yeah. a good kit. But um, I, I just hope they don't kill the brand. Does that make sense? You know, and I think eventually it will do. Yeah, probably. But <laughs> like all acquisitions do. <clears throat> probably, probably. But uh, interesting, I, I did note that it turns out that the Plantronics themselves, um, before, before they came poly, uh, had been talking to Logitech about a deal. Now, that would have made more sense, I suppose. Given you know peripherals, Plantronics didn't really do consumer. Uh, Logitech is very much a consumer company. No, but maybe it was supposed to bring it, bringing that tech in. And I guess Logitech, as you say, maybe, probably maybe. didn't want to go down that road. But who knows? Who knows? But yeah, just a little tip of news there. So then, Carl, let me hang on a second. It is time for the Tech Rant Rumor Mill or the return of the Tech Rant Rumor Mill. So then, Carl, I know you've, you've been dying to do this. So dust off your rumors. And what have you got for us then in the, in the next <laughs> 10 <have>. minutes? <laughs> well, this was a, this was an interesting one. Um, so, you know, if you don't probably have the money to pay for an iPhone up front, uh, I'll just prefer to spread, you know, your cost monthly. You know, Apple already has kind of several options, including things like the iPhone upgrade program that me and you both use. Yep. Well, it's kind of, it seems that Apple is they're due to introduce a new option, renting your iPhone or iPad, apparently. So a lease? Hmm. Like a lease. Yeah, a lease. So I suppose it's sli- from what I'm hearing, it's slightly different from the iPhone upgrade program. So the iPhone upgrade program, you sign up for 24 months. Uh, you can change your phone to a newer version at the 12 month mark and basically reset that two year period again. But if you don't want to do that and you complete the two years, then the phone belongs to you. Now, obviously, renting it, you don't ever actually own the phone, but it does seem to give you this ability that as soon as a new phone comes out, so if I was to start it now, then in September, Apple releases the iPhone 14. I can immediately just go and get the iPhone 14 and just swap over. And there we go. I just carry on paying that monthly fixed rental price. Yeah, I suppose it's, yeah, I was kind of owing an eye about this because I was like, well, how's this different to the iPhone upgrade program? But yeah, you're right. At the end of the iPhone upgrade program, you get to keep the phone. So the cost is slightly higher, isn't it, I guess, than than a leasing program. Yeah, I'd imagine the rental one should be slightly cheaper than the iPhone upgrade program, but possibly not. This is Apple. Yeah. So I don't know if it'll be cheaper or not. Yeah, I, look, I, I'd be all over this if there was a brand new, you know, the latest iPads, for example. You know, that would be awesome, especially given you know, yeah. given what could be coming. Um, but I don't know about the phone. I mean, maybe maybe I guess you're right. Maybe for businesses, this would work out really nicely for businesses. Yeah, um, it would do. I guess, you know, I, mean, actually, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I might as a consumer. I mean, this is the first year where I haven't upgraded at a 12-month yeah. mark, okay? I'm going to see it out and just keep the phone, probably eBay that, and then... At that point, I'll decide if I go on the iPhone upgrade program or even the, the iPhone rental program if it's cheap enough to make it worth my while. I mean, if it's a couple of quid cheaper than the iPhone upgrade program or the same price, I'll just do the iPhone upgrade program again. Yeah, I have to say, I'd be curious about this. I mean, I suppose the iPhone upgrade program is just an evolution, isn't it, of 
yeah. uh, the classic carrier deal, isn't it? You know, where you pay over the odds of the phone. Of course it is, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it depends. I don't know. I mean, I'd be more interested in this for, for iPads, personally. Um, I think that would be good. Yeah, well, they, they did say that potentially they could roll this out to watches and Macs and well, the entire product line, I suppose. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But no, interesting program. But yeah, be interested to see whether or not they deliver on this this year or you know it's maybe a next year program the the acquisition maybe you could have as a consumer you could have one set price couldn't you where you yeah. get your your phone your ipad your watch and your macbook all for one monthly price and you just get the latest kit as soon as it comes out well yeah that'd be good nice package deal there yeah hmm. maybe with the acquisition of that uh that british bank they might that might help yeah. them who knows who knows yeah Go on then. Interesting. They're talking, talking then of additional hardware. I know there's another little rumor then that might kind of tempt you if you were looking for an upgrade. <laughs> uh, I suppose this is this is more obvious than rumor. Uh, yes, I was just, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously, because we talked about the the potential M2 chips. Was it last week or the week before? Uh, recently. Uh, so Mark Gurman on his in his weekly Power On newsletter is now stating that the iPad Pro, the new ones due out in September, October. Sorry, September, November, will come with M2 chips and potentially wireless charging. So you know, the MagSafe pup you you slap onto the back. Look, I think it's a given they're going to come with an M2. Whether it's the of course, whether it's the fall, I think is too early because mm. wouldn't you want to get an M2 chip into the base Mac lineup first? Maybe, or, maybe, or will it be a launch of M1, M2? Excuse me, M2 powered you know, uh, MacBook Pro and yep. the iPad Pro at the same time. It could well be. Yeah, it, yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they, and then they've just put the M1 in the air, so this would be another way of differentiating yeah. the Pro from the air. And again, it, the Pro needs an update, doesn't it? So It does. It must have been, what, it's a good year and a half yeah. now, I suppose, since the last so Pro, maybe? So I would say, to me, if they do this, I don't think it'll happen. I think it'll happen. It could happen this year, but I think it'll happen after they release the MacBook Pro um, M2s. I don't see them yeah, doing the iPad first. It so. just doesn't fit with their the release schedules. But you're right. Yeah, this I don't think I think this is a given. It's just the timing of when it'll happen, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but you know, it might be that might be the time I get an upgrade on the on the iPad because you know my, I think that we we both could be looking at that along with our iOS uh, I, uh, I device subscription plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and hopefully we'll get the 14 pro with that but um yeah this is the next rumor and the design on this one just keeps changing oh god it's a revolving I mean, door isn't it with ideas but i know first we were meant to lose the notch in favor of just a uh, hole punch and then that changed to a hole punch and a pill-shaped hole that's the current rumor that's the one yeah and if i remember rightly the back was meant to be completely flat so no camera bump but now, according to Quo, uh, we'll instead be getting an even larger camera bump, and this is to have, sorry, and a slightly thicker design to to make way for housing this giant forty-eight megapixel camera sensor. Mm. Versus, mm. so that's forty-eight megapixel sensor. It, what's it, so the twelve, the thirteen? Excuse me, is that that's is that a 12, 12. 12 sensor? It's, it's a hell of a jump. It is. Um, it is, but I don't think you're going to get a forty-eight megapixel photo i imagine they will take four of those pixels combine it into one or down something to one and you'll come out of a 12 megapixel photo just with a higher clarity and better iso yeah that would seem more likely wouldn't it given you know a bit, yeah. bit like the samsung's and the huawei's with their super high megapixels but reality as you say it's just used for 
combination effect rather than a 100 megapixel or 48 megapixel picture. Exactly, but, exactly. But I suppose the thing is, if we were meant to be getting all new design, this is now looking rather similar to the current <clears throat> It design. is, it is. And it, yeah, I think, <clears throat> again, as I've stressed before, there are only so many ways you can skin a cat with these phone designs, isn't it? Um, there are, yeah, you're true. And I think, you know, what we're going to see is the the reduction in the notch. That's definitely um, the main argument here, isn't it? Um, that yeah. That's going to be the one thing they want to going to do. I think probably the 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 pinhole and pill is probably a probably a likely idea. Um, but yeah, the camera yeah. bump. Who knows? Though I would lean towards Quo because typically he has been pretty reliable over the years. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what Prosser comes out with in the next few weeks, months. Oh no! I watched. He had a video out the other day, and he was having a complete meltdown. He's like, "I've given up on the iPhone 14 room." <laughs> Every time I say something, they change it. T- Tim's having a go at me. Oh, Mr. Prosser, Mr. Prosser. <laughs> He'll be back next week with more rumors, I'm sure. He will. And I guess that's probably a good place for us to finish up for today. So then, we'll be back next week for episode 82 of the Weekly Tech Rant. You can, of course, find us online at at Weekly Tech Rant on Twitter and techrant.online for all of our show notes and information and wherever you get your podcast from. So give us a like, give us a share, tell your friends about us, or maybe don't. Um, we'll be back next week with all of the latest updates from the tech world. I've been Jay. I've been Carl. Have a good evening, all. <laughs>